1: Installing cybersecurity tools to protect elections is tougher than it looks. Information operations continue to pose the most prominent foreign threat to U.S. midterm elections, although there are concerns about voting machine security. CoinTracker looks like a trader's tool with a side order of malware. Video embedded in Microsoft Word documents can carry malicious payloads through detection systems. We've got some hardware worries and sanctions, and competing visions of norms in cyberspace. From the CyberWire studios at Datatribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Tuesday, October 30th, 2018. Here's a challenge most corporate CISOs will find has a familiar ring, but U.S. state election officials seem to be encountering it as a novelty. They're gratified by offers of free security tools from cybersecurity companies, but as many CISOs would authenticate, they're finding those tools confusing and, in many cases, beyond their ability to use. The companies and the tools they're offering are well-known and quite reputable, so this isn't a case of snake oil peddlers passing out loss leaders in Hicksville. Cyberscoop and ZDNet, note the companies who've made the offers, and their names you'll recognize and may well use yourself. McAfee, Cloudflare, Jigsaw, which is a Google offering, Senac, Akamai, Silance, Centrify, Microsoft, Valamail, Facebook, Symantec, Netscout, and 1Password. And this is by no means a complete list. We think, from what we've seen, that while, of course, companies want to showcase their products and solutions, there's a genuinely public-spirited impulse behind a good many of their offers. There are some concerns about the technical security of the voting infrastructure, worries about hacking proper. There have been complaints of glitchy voting machines in Texas, for example, and there's a certain climate of uneasiness, according to the Washington Post, surrounding the companies that produce the tools used at the polling places. The Post notes that three companies, ES&S, Dominion Voting Systems, and Hart InterCivic, supply and service about 90% of the country's voting machines, and that their security could do with an outside look. The companies themselves say concerns are overblown. But at least with respect to the U.S. midterm elections, most of the foreign cyber operations observed continue to be influence operations conducted over social media by bots and sock puppets. Their activities are opportunistic and inflammatory. They're not so much interested in any particular electoral outcomes as they are in inducing mistrust along pre-existing fissures of the targeted societies. Their messaging, therefore, is negative, destructive, not aimed at pushing any particular worldview, but rather at demolishing such worldviews as may conduce to healthy civil society. So the challenge is so far mostly one of information operations, And in this regard, Russia especially is seen as playing a weak hand very effectively. It will be interesting to learn how U.S. Cyber Command's troll hunting has been proceeding once that history can be told. In the meantime, good hunting to everyone at Fort Meade. The problems of election influence are to a significant extent problems for the private sector. Facebook in particular has been working not so much on viewpoint censorship or content moderation, as it has on identifying and expunging what it calls coordinated inauthenticity, finding bots and bogus accounts and booting them off its platform. The same has been true to a markedly lesser but still discernible extent of Twitter. The approach seems promising because it seems to offer some promise of success without doing violence to freedom of speech or association, and since bots, not being even artificial persons, enjoy no natural or legal rights. There are, however, signs of a growing appetite for censorship, a tendency against which organizations like the Electronic Frontier Foundation have for some time cautioned against. Iranian officials say President Rouhani's phone was recently compromised and would be replaced. Their announcement was terse and offered neither details nor attribution, but the AP notes that the greater and lesser Satans, operating from their respective hells of Washington and Tel Aviv, are the usual suspects in Tehran when it comes to Iranian suspicions of espionage. As the controversy over the murder of Saudi journalist Jamal Khashoggi continues, and with it concerns about Saudi policy toward dissenters generally, Motherboard describes the apparent role played by Saudi al Qatani, aka Mr. Hashtag, a close advisor to Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, in obtaining surveillance software from Milan-based hacking team. Saudi Arabia has been interested in acquiring lawful intercept tools, as such things are called in the market, not only from Italy's hacking team, but from elsewhere as well. The Jerusalem Post describes the Saudis' surprising willingness to purchase other espionage tools from Israeli sources. They put the kingdom's purchases at $250 million. There's a popular notion that cybersecurity is suffering from a skills gap, with a lack of qualified, properly trained professionals to fill available positions, Raul Kashyap is CEO at Awake Security, and solving this problem is of particular interest to him.
2: I've been thinking about this in many places. You know, I've been a serial entrepreneur in uh, in the in the world of cybersecurity. I've been doing, I've built several technologies. So there is one part where you can look at solving the problem by building intelligent solutions. The other aspect is. Uh, how do you really uh, look at solving the people problem because there aren't enough people and that is something uh, you have to have a long-term vision and a strategy uh, wherein, you know, how can uh, you inspire people and, and, and have people consider cyber security as a lucrative uh, career op- opportunity and an option, right? So, yeah, so uh, I've been focused on both of those aspects uh, at a personal level, I've been looking at, uh, you know, after doing some analysis, I found that most of the fresh people coming in the industry, uh, they kind of make decisions or, or try to form decisions about their career when they are in their high school time frame.
0: And, and what kind of opportunities do you find yourself having there? Are, are the high schools open to this sort of thing? So uh, I actually signed up with a with a group called
2: Skillify. It, it's an it's a mentorship program. Uh, I think it covers the entire LA, all the school districts in in LA region. It's a pretty big pool of schools. So I've been using that program now and then whenever I, I get an opportunity and whenever there's a, a high school kid who's interested to know more about cybersecurity. So I've been using that uh, pretty actively uh, to build out uh, and kind of uh, have as much uh, reach out to, to students as much as I uh, possibly can.
0: Now, when you interact with uh, students who are in their high school years, what, what's the situation there? Do you find that they have any common misperceptions when it comes to careers in cybersecurity?
2: Oh yes, I mean uh, it actually varies across the board. You know, uh, so m- most of the kids, uh, you know, uh, whom I talk to, are looking at cybersecurity because they are. Pretty much, I would say influenced by Hollywood, if I may. Uh, so they think of this as you know, you know as a cool uh, area to look at, and, and and they have a perception about it, which is which is very Hollywood style from what I have seen. In some sense, cybersecurity is definitely a very exciting, fast paced, fast moving, uh, and a very high impact job as well. But at the same time, there's a lot of work and a lot of uh, you know uh, expertise that you need behind the scenes to really become a, a top notch cybersecurity professional.
0: Now, what about uh, this notion of uh, the industry reaching out to people from different disciplines? We've heard of companies uh, looking towards people who've studied music, you know, outside of the, the, the normal uh, computer science pipeline.
2: Yes. Uh, in fact, I, I, I have personally worked with several uh, folks who have had no cyber, who have had no science background, no, no computer skills, and who have done extremely well in, in cybersecurity, right? So, It's a skill, and a skill can be acquired. Uh, You just need to be willing to acquire the skill and should be interested in that domain. Right. Uh, so uh, I kind of tell everybody that you have to come with an open mind. You, you don't really necessarily have to be, uh, you know, an, a, a top notch student doing having a, almost uh, A grades all the time to be a top notch cybersecurity professional. Right. You, there are specific skills you a know, specific mindset you need to develop uh, when it comes to cybersecurity. And if you can incubate and build that, you can really move fast up the ladders and, and build a, a, a good career for yourself.
1: That's Raul Kushop from Awake Security. Malwarebytes warns that a Mac app, CoinTicker, installs keyloggers and backdoors along with its handy altcoin price tracker. It looks like a legitimate app, but to install CoinTicker is to invite Nemesis into your digital life. It's an interesting bit of cryptocurrency themed malware. Instead of directly seeking to loot people's wallets, it exploits their enthusiasm for cryptocurrency to induce them to swallow the bait of a trader's ticker. Researchers at Simulate demonstrate a way of infecting Word documents by introducing malicious code into embedded video. The attack evades common forms of detection. There are two more bits of concern about Chinese hardware. The director of the Australian Signals Directorate warns that using high-risk Chinese telecom devices poses a threat to water and power infrastructure. The devices of concern are principally Huawei and ZTE equipment. And in the U.S., the Department of Commerce has banned U.S. companies from doing business with Chinese chipmaker Fujian Jinhua Integrated Circuit. The grounds for the ban are that the company poses a risk to national security insofar as it's deemed likely to cooperate with the Chinese government in activities contrary to the legitimate interests of the United States. It's striking that the ban that's expected to deal Fujuan a severe blow is a ban on selling to them, not buying from them. In this, it resembles the earlier, now relaxed sanctions that did so much damage to ZTE earlier this year. Finally, Russia and the U.S. have offered the UN predictably competing proposals for international norms of conduct in cyberspace, the former favored by authoritarians, the other by liberal democracies.
0: So you can focus on your core business goals, confident in the knowledge that your enterprise is secure, compliant and running smoothly to learn why enterprises choose six sense, visit six And I'm pleased to be joined once again by Robert M Lee. He's the CEO at dragos. Robert, it's great to have you back. Um, I want to sort of get a reality check here when it comes to EMPs, so electromagnetic pulses. This is one of those things that comes up from time to time as being one of the great threats to uh, the power grid, our nation, um, everything. <laughs> and so uh, I figured let, let's check in. And uh, what's the reality here? First of all, what are we talking about?
3: Yeah, I hope you're ready for like your email and comment section on this one to blow up. EMP, the, the idea is that, and usually... I mean, there, there's a lot of things that create EMP, but, but the the idea and in, in the scenario that's often purported is that a state power uh, will use a a nuclear weapon and detonate it at a certain you know height above uh, the United States, and the EMP from that warhead or that ICBM or that, that capability uh, will be able to knock out significant portions of electric power grid and and other aspects of our daily life or solar flares. And so there's, there's science to the sort of EMP discussion and aspects of solar flares and and EMP like very much considered. And in fact, the the department of energy has done studies before and go, you know what, there's some things we should do. And so you have to do certain levels of shielding and electric wiring and, and, and power grid operators are fairly aware, well aware of what they need to do from, uh, like shielding perspectives, and they do it. And I think that's the, the thing that doesn't get represented well is not like the electric community is like EMPs don't exist. No, we, we fully understand that there, there's, there is such a thing as EMPs and there are natural scenarios that can occur. And so shielding is important. It, it's usually an argument of what type of scenarios and how much shielding and what type of protections to be put in place. That, that gets a little spun out of control. Hmm. And when you're talking about detonating a nuclear weapon above you know any major city or, or portion of the United States, that's where the science goes off the rails a little bit. There's some, there's some variables that are not fully well understood, and I think some people extending the conversation a little bit further um, than it probably should be. And it also then comes down to like the scenarios of, okay, so you're telling me that Russia or North Korea or China, are, uh, they're going to, launch a nuclear weapon at us, but they're not going to actually try to hit us. They're going to just aim a little high and hope that it actually works. And, you know, I mean, there, there's so many different aspects. You, you can go down to the science discussion, you can go down the doesn't even make sense rational theory kind of discussion. I mean, there, there's a lot of elements to this, but here's what I think is the important thing for everyone to take away is one, EMP sh- and, and, and shielding from electromagnetic pulses of, of any type, has been done with electric grid operators to a level that the Department of Energy and, and uh, the U.S. government have found uh, successful and and appropriate. The extra level and the idea that we're going to build like shielding containers around transmission units and things. It, it, there's no proof that we actually should. Um, it, it sounds actually like everything points to it being extremely far-fetched. So it's not like we're just lacking proof. It, it actually. Points the other direction. of this doesn't seem sound at all, and it comes at an inordinate expense. And what makes it even more difficult is the conversations then sort of extend to be a little bit misleading, and 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 uh, it's very difficult to like. There's very smart people on this discussion, so I, I try not to just throw people on the bus. But it, it gets to a point of being misleading, where to have the EMP discussion, it almost gets hidden inside of other discussions. And and I myself have found myself in a situation where. I'll be asked to go present at you know uh, Congress and to the staffers, and they say it's a cybersecurity event. I'm like, okay, and I go to like speak on cyber, and it turns out it's an EMP event. But they couldn't get anybody to show up, so they asked me to come speak on cyber so people would show up, and then they tell, tell them about EMP. Or hmm. I give a quote to you know a reporter who's asking questions about cyber attacks. And I, I have a nuanced take on, yeah, you know, cyber attacks are real and there's real threats to infrastructure, but our infrastructure is actually very reliable and here's like a balance between it. And then they cut off all of my nuance and they just capture the cyber attacks are real and, you know, grid's going down um, portions of the quote and then they tack it on the EMP stories. And, and what I've found is if you're in any walk of life, if the position you're taking isn't sound and well-founded on its own, and you have to sort of bait people into it with other topics or misrepresent people's quotes to sort of tell a story, I'm less likely to be empathetic with the story you're trying to tell. And I think others should be very careful in a lot of the EMP
0: discussion. Rob Lee, thanks for joining us. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program?